Hello, everyone, and thanks for checking out the premiere episode of Who, What, When, Where, Why, a new podcast from GoEerie.com. I'm Sarah Steeman, your reporter and host for this episode. But as we produce more episodes, it won't always be my voice that you hear. Erie Times News staff members with expertise in certain subjects will set out to answer your questions about Erie Region news, personalities, mysteries, events, and history. We hope to produce between six and eight episodes this year. If you have an idea for a story that could be told well through audio, we've set up a form where you can contact us. Find it as well as a notes page for this episode at goerie.com slash topics slash podcasts. Thanks for giving a chance to the first episode of Who, What, When, Where, Why. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we've enjoyed producing it. If you walk the halls of the Erie Art Museum, you'll find some pretty fantastic pieces of artwork. There are bright colors, brilliant sculptures, and all types of mediums that line the clean and modern white walls of the museum. Executive Director John Vanko, who has been at the Art Museum for 49 years and is on his way to retiring in the summer of 2017, pointed out a few of his favorites to me recently. There's the South Asian exhibit. A collection of uh, sculptures, mostly bronze, uh, bronze and stone, but mostly bronze sculptures from Greater India. Uh, And there are some very valuable works there, absolutely. There's John's personal favorite, the Plovkin paintings, created by Erie artist Joe Plovkin that depict Erie scenes dating from the 1930s to the 1970s. They're housed on the museum's second floor currently. A lot of people who are much too young to have ever had any association with Joe Plopkin love those paintings because they're eerie in in the past. You know, if I had to run into the building to save something, you know, I think I'd head for that gallery. There's local art. There are valuable pieces. There are nationally known objects, all housed in the Erie Art Museum. But you know what you won't find in the museum? One of Erie's oldest and most valuable pieces of artwork, what many locals know as the Million Dollar Painting, called Summer Afternoon, Isle of Shoals. It was created by early 20th century American Impressionist Child Hassam. It's commonly known here as just the Hassam, and it's hanging in Blasco Library. This is Who, What, When, Where, Why, and we unfold the backstory behind the million dollar painting today. The only trace you'll find of the Hassam in the Erie Art Museum is tucked away in a stairwell of the building that leads to the art museum's offices. Oh, there it is. It says, don't give up the Hassam. There you'll find Todd Scalise's hieroglyphics mural. It's a four-story, bold, black-and-white mural that's a mixture of all things eerie. It took me a few minutes to find it, located a few feet above eye level, a little black-and-white scribble on the wall that holds so much meaning. Right next to an Oliver Hazard Perry portrait. 
All Things Erie certainly includes the Hassam, and certainly includes the phrase, save the Hassam, which you'll hear more on later. If you head north on State Street, you'll find the Hassam on the second floor of Blasco Library. It's displayed in a gold-plated metallic frame in a glass climate-controlled exhibit at the top of the stairway on the second floor. It's valued somewhere between $2.5 and $3.5 million, and it's insured for $4 million. For me, the first time that I saw the Hassam, it, it was one of those ah moments, you know, the sun comes out, the birds sing, you know, and I was just so taken with it. That's Erie County Public Library's former executive director, Mary Rennie. She stepped down shortly after we conducted our interview in April. One of her last big projects as director included a huge renovation to Blasco Library that's currently underway, and you'll hear traces of that in her audio. Walking up the stairs to meet her at the library that day, I almost missed the Hassam. But apparently that doesn't happen to a lot of people. We have people come in from out of town who will come specifically for the artwork. The Hassam isn't particularly eye-catching at first. Its broken brushwork creates a grayish, blue, almost muted haze. It's hushed, subtle, subdued. The piece instantly transports the viewer to the rocky coast of the Isles of Shoals, where Hassam was sitting when he created the piece. You can picture him with his pant legs rolled up, sitting on one of the rocks of the island, paintbrush in hand, not a care in the world. Bursts of bright green grass beg for the viewer to lay a blanket down for an afternoon picnic. You can almost hear the Atlantic Ocean crashing onto the rocky shoreline. Almost smell the salt air that makes a beachgoer's eyelids heavy for an afternoon nap. That got me thinking. Why is this artwork so valuable? And who was Child Hassam? And also, how did one of his pieces end up in Erie? For starters, Child Hassam's full name is Frederick Child Hassam. He was born in 1859 in Boston, Massachusetts. I did a little bit of research into his background, and he was born in New England, of course, in Massachusetts. And he actually comes from a long line of New England people. So, in fact, I think his mother ties back to Nathaniel Hawthorne. So, um, I can't say they're as you know far back as the 1700s, but you know it very well may be. They are. He was of English descent, and they think that his name came from a variation of the name Horsham. Hassam's appearance was considered somewhat exotic at the time. He was very physically active and robust looking, a boxer and even a swimmer in school. His eyes had, um, he, he was known for having heavy lidded eyes, so some, a little bit exotic looking and he was kind of a dark complexion for be, being of English descent. So he enjoyed fostering speculation that he might be Middle Eastern. We do have a number of photos of Hassam, but perhaps one of the most striking is his self-portrait. He's wearing a button-up white-collared shirt with an orange neck kerchief loosely hanging from it. His hair is short, trimmed tight to his head, and he has a neatly sculpted dark mustache hanging below two thick eyebrows, narrowed into a look of concern on his face. He does, in fact, look a little Middle Eastern. 
That could be, Mary guessed, why his signature changed so much throughout his career. At one point, his signature included some sort of crescent moon, which may have been a play on the speculation that he was of Middle Eastern descent. In 1872, a disastrous fire destroyed his father's business in Boston. He left school at age 17 to support his family, despite the fact that he had an uncle offered to pay for his Harvard education. He took a job in the accounting department at Little Brown and Company to earn a living. During his time there, he began studying wood engraving and became a draftsman. It was, it was like one thing left, led to another. He began taking art classes. He started illustrating children's books. So he had this natural talent. And um, he began producing his first watercolors. I think it was around 1879. So he was only 20 years old. He was really a young man. He began producing oil paintings in the 1880s. He eventually went to France and was deeply inspired by the French Impressionist movement there. Um, I read where he had rented studio space that had belonged to Renoir at the time. And, and when he got there, he found some discarded sketches from Renoir, which I'm thinking those are worth fortune today. But, you know, they were just there uh, when he took over um, that studio space. Hassam essentially brought French Impressionism back to the United States. He was considered an instrumental pioneer in the American Impressionism movement. Cutting edge, vibrant, and fresh at the time. Enter the Isle of Shoals. When he returned, he developed a fascination with a group of islands off the New England coast called the Isle of Shoals. They straddle the main New Hampshire state line in the Atlantic Ocean. John Coffey, a curator from the North Carolina Museum of Art, knows more about the Isles of Shoals than most people. He should, as he's been there a handful of times. He walked the ground that Hassam walked. He sat where Hassam sat when he was most prolific, creating hundreds of works of art. We had to find what we call diagnostic rocks, rocks that are eccentric enough um, that you can identify them in the painting and then in the actual site. And we, we finally found the location for this, this picture. And not only just the locate where it was painted, but I found the one dry ledge where Hassam could have sat. That is absolutely where Hassam put his butt. Erie's Hassam work was transported to John's facility in 2016 to be featured in an exhibition he curated featuring Hassam's Isle of Shoals works. Out of the 3,000 works Hassam produced, a third came from his more than 30 summers that he spent on the islands, including Erie's summer afternoon. Specifically, he was drawn to Appledore Island, a touristy island that was home to two very large hotels. Visitors were transported daily via ferry to the island, which was around 140 to 150 acres. Uh, Hassam, who started going out there in the 1880s, and uh, continued to go out there until, uh, well, even after the hotel burned in 1914. He was, we know that he was out there as late as 1916. That hotel belonged to the family of Celia Thaxter, who continued to lure Hassam and his wife to Appledore Island every summer. Celia Thaxter was an American poet and writer and also a good friend to Hassam. Among her best-known works are Landlocked and The Sandpiper. Not only was she known for her poetry, 
but she was also recognized for her pristine and stunning garden that she tended to right in front of the hotel, which many avid gardeners still study and admire and travel to today. Celia and her garden are the subject of many of Hassam's works from Appledore Island. She died unexpectedly in 1894, and shortly after, Hassam stopped visiting the islands. One of Celia's functions as, as a member of this family was to attract um, a very high-end clientele among her artists and literary contacts. And so she um, spent a lot of time coaxing writers and painters, um, musicians, um, to, to come out to uh, Appledore. That's why Appledore was known as the place to be for artists of all kinds at the time. Hassam spent a majority of his time painting scenes from the rocks of Appledore. Sometimes he would paint the lids of cigar boxes as the sun set. People would gather around and watch him work. But Hassam was very much a realist. What he saw was normally what he painted. Summer afternoon, Isle of Shoals is no exception. The, the painting um, summer afternoon is, is of the area known as Babs Cove uh, on Appledore. As I said, it's sort of the principal harbor area of, um, of the island. It was immediately in front of the large rambling hotel, which is not shown in the, in the painting. The hotel, if you're looking at the painting, the hotel is off to your left. And even though you can't see the hotel in the painting, it's still very much a presence in Hassam's mind. It defined the island for him and truly inspired him artistically. Not only was Hassam a successful artist, he was also a businessman by nature, a rare trait for any artist, even today. He worked to make a living, not just to create art. Many of Hassam's works were entered in exhibitions all over the country including Summer Afternoon, Isle of Shoals. Hassam painted Summer Afternoon in 1891, right smack dab in the middle of his career. The painting was purchased in 1904 by what was then the Erie Art Club, which later on down the road formed into what we know now as the Erie Art Museum. Things get a little complicated here. The Erie Art Club was housed inside the Erie Public Library, which still stands on Erie's historic Perry Square. Today, that building is known as the Federal Courthouse. That building also housed the administrative offices of the Erie Public School District. So all of the decisions for both the library and the art club were made underneath the school's arc. The building was considered an art powerhouse at the time, and it really put Erie on the map in the art scene. In 1904 alone, they had an exhibit with 63 newer paintings from all around the world. And the next year, they had 107 different art pieces. Mary's actually not referring to the permanent collection at the Erie Public Library, but she's referring to what John Van Gogh calls exhibitions that the Erie Art Museum used to host at the library. These were traveling exhibitions hosted by the National Academy Museum, which still exists today. Child Hassam entered many of his pieces in these exhibitions because all of the work in them would be for sale to the public. And as we know, Hassam was kind of known as a hustler. The Erie Art Club purchased our Hassam at one of these exhibitions. 
It was purchased by what the art club called popular subscription, which meant members of the club fundraised to acquire it. Although there's no purchase price listed in art club minutes, Mary Rennie guessed that the art club paid around $1,000 to $2,000 for the painting, based on other similar pieces it acquired in the time frame. According to art club minutes from April 8, 1904, the painting was then called Early Evening, New England Coast. It was purchased on March 17, 1904. 374 Erie residents and businesses contributed to purchasing the Hassam, according to an article from the Erie Evening Herald. The list of contributors contains some very familiar Erie names. Dr. Otto F. Behrend, Oscar and Fred Jarecki and their wives, F.F. Curtsy, William Spencer, Edward Selden and his wife, and Frederick Brevelier. Businesses that it contributed included Knox 5 and 10 Cent Store, Erie Foundry Company, and more. That's why John Banco feels people of Erie feel a sense of ownership over the Hassam, because so many of their distant relatives and local families felt compelled to contribute to its purchase. I, I really like that. I, I think that's, that's great. And, uh, and those works have this historical association with the library. They should, they should be there. After its purchase in 1904, the Hassam hung in the library on Perry Square for what Mary Rennie guessed to be a decade as a permanent piece of art in the library's collection. It was then taken down and stored off-site in a bank vault for more than 70 years. It was um, the subject of a restoration project in 1986. And I don't know how many people remember this, but Michelle Ridge, the director at that time, was very instrumental in um, a couple of preservation projects for local either art objects or historical pieces. They went through the Pennsylvania Arts Council to get matching funds for the restoration of uh, several of our most important art pieces, and the Hassam at that time was the most um, important piece that we had then. It was uh, valued in those, at that time, between $150,000 and $200,000. If you don't recognize Michelle Ridge's name, you'll more than likely recognize the name of her husband, Tom Ridge. He was a former congressman who went on to become Pennsylvania governor for six years and then later the first ever Secretary of Homeland Security. Michelle Ridge did secure the funding, around $1,500, for restretching and refurbishing and refinishing the art. But the Hassam remained in the bank vault until 1996. Why was that? In the Perry Square facility, we had a lot of issues with heating and cooling and um, temperature controls. You have to remember in those days, you know, no air conditioning and then, what was it, steam heat and that, that sort of thing. And so the um, conditions were really not conducive to preservation of art pieces like that. And so, you know, the artworks that we had were drying out, you were getting crackling, perhaps the frames were getting damaged uh, in various ways. So my, I don't know how it came to be moved to the vault. My guess is that they realized that this is a valuable piece. We need to try to preserve it. And so it was moved to the bank vault for that reason. Um, but even from 1986, another 10 years before it was available, available for people to see. Sometime during its decades in the bank vault, 
The painting's name was changed from early evening New England coast to summer afternoon, Isle of Shoals, though there's no actual record of that name change. 1996. That's when the Hassam finally went back on display for Erie's public to view, because that's when Blasco Library was built on Erie's Bayfront. And when people finally began to notice the million-dollar painting, it still sits undisturbed peacefully on Blasco's second floor today. But make no mistake, there's no shortage of controversy that still surrounds it. The controversy involves who owns the Hassam. The Erie Art Museum claims that it owns the painting because technically the Erie Art Club, which later formed into the Erie Art Museum, purchased the Hassam in 1904. Well, its members did. They fundraised for it, as you heard earlier. Erie County claims that it owns the painting because it's always hung in one of its properties, the public library. Remember the phrase, save the Hassam, that we found in the Erie Art Museum earlier? Yeah, that's in reference to this. Since 1968, the county has approached the art museum to sell the Hassam three times. Most recently, and perhaps most seriously, in 2011. Sotheby's valued the painting around $2.5 million in 2011, but shortly after, an auction house contacted the county and said they were confident the painting could sell for around $5 million at auction. Which, of course, wasn't true at the time, um, and it would have been extremely poor timing to actually sell that if you if that were feasible uh, action anyway, which I don't think it really is. It's I'm sure it's worth more today than it was then. You know, if you're looking at it from a, from purely economic terms, but it's not about the economics and that little uh, whatever it is. If it's worth a million, if it's worth five million, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> that's really irrelevant. It's uh, it's a part of our heritage, and frankly, we have very little of our artistic heritage left in this community. Each time the county has approached the art museum, both parties have sat down, but no resolution has been reached. When former county executive Barry Grossman suggested selling the work in 2011, it was the first time in a long time that the issue was seriously brought up said John Banco. Grossman suggested selling the work to create an art endowment, or potentially even establishing a fund to buy work from local artists with, and to replace the Hassam in the library with a replica. They elected to, the art club elected, and they jointly agreed to leave some of the works at the library. And there were agreements going back to 1916 and re renewed in the 1930s, which made it clear that the ownership of, the, of this collection was with the art club. Uh, <clears throat> but when I started, it was everybody's assumption that those were the library's paintings. And I never questioned it. I mean, why would you? They, they belong to the library, right? I mean, they, they're hanging in the library. The issue of its ownership has never actually made it to Erie County Court, but John says the Erie Art Museum most recently sat down with the county in 2015 with current county executive Kathy Dahlcamper. We hoped that we could work it out, and uh, I thought that the current administration, in particular, because 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 Kathy Dahlcamper is certainly a friend a friend of arts and culture. Uh, I thought that we could resolve this easily, but we've had several meetings about it and we haven't resolved it yet. Uh, but I 
would love to see that resolved in some kind of a, a way that permanently restricts uh, the sale of that, of that artwork. The price tag is what makes the piece tempting to sell. It is, after all, the library's most valuable piece of artwork, according to Mary Rennie. Mary says the library's total artwork collection is worth $5 million, and the Hassam makes up $4 million of that. The county can't sell it, John says, because the piece of artwork belongs to the Erie Art Museum. And when all this research was done, it became pretty clear to, uh, at, least, at least to us on our side, I mean, of course, the county will still dispute this, that those paintings belong to the Erie Art Museum. Uh, and I've made it clear that I think that the best place for them is where they are right now, uh, on view at the library. Doll Camper thinks differently. She recently issued this statement regarding the Hassam. Erie County has provided the Erie Art Museum with research of its own, indicating that the county believes it holds the ownership rights to the Hassam painting. Erie County has taken good care of the painting, including paying insurance on it and giving it a proper display at the Blasco Library. As I have conveyed to Mr. Vanko and the Erie Art Museum, my administration has no intention of selling this painting as we believe it belongs to the people of Erie County for their enjoyment. Though she's taken the sale off the table, John says this is one door that he couldn't close like he'd hoped in his 49 years at the art museum. And I had hoped to accomplish it before I was done here, but I don't know, time's running out, is to uh, uh, have the county acknowledge that the museum owns those works and create a, a essentially permanent uh, loan status, which is kind of a, um, what do you call it, <laughs> uh, oxymoron, permanent loan. Child Hassam died in 1935 at the age of 75. He continued producing works into the late 1920s still traveling for most of his sessions. Meanwhile, his story is far from over in Erie. If you're in the area, stop in and see Erie's million dollar painting, a little piece of child Hassam, a golden nugget of Erie history combined with an exquisite piece of fine art. It'll be sitting atop the staircase on the second floor of Flasco Library. Dollar painting was researched, reported, and produced by me, Sarah Steeman, with editing from Matt Martin, editor of Online News. We also both did fact checking. Graphics are by Steve Pushkar and Karen Burchill. For more information on the Hassam and on this episode, visit slash topics podcasts. Who, What, When, Where, Why is a product of Gatehouse Media, LLC. All rights reserved. Thank you.